This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Please enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers the teaching, Truth Be Told About God, from the series, Truth Be Told. Please enjoy. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Lying is basically just acting, and I am a terrific actor. <laughs> you are a terrific actor. It's not a lie if you believe it. How old are you? 17. You? Complete me. If you're just tuning in... What you just heard was... Lie after lie after lie. Which are dubious at best. The falsehoods told to the public, but... Um, everyone? Everywhere! The question is... What is... The truth? Well, let's find out then, shall we? So how are we doing at 11 o'clock? Glad to be here. Good to see you. I've missed you, and it's okay if you haven't missed me. That's all right. You had good teaching. Well, I was on break, and we had a wonderful time as a family uh, going up to New York City for a few days, and I had a great motorcycle uh, week trip uh, uh, along the way. We had some time up at the cabin, all good stuff. Had wonderful study break kind of time and prayer, and, and, and had our, our elder retreat. Man, I'm telling you. If I could, literally, if they would give me, which we don't have time, if you give me the next 30 minutes, and I could lay out for you what God has planned for us these next 12 months, you would be as fired up as I am. And I would love to just lay it all out for you, all in good time, I know, I know. But, excited about what we get to do today, and if you're not aware, if you're not aware, today's a big day for 12 Stone as a church, one church in many locations, because today is the grand opening of the Buford Campus building. It finally opened. Woo! Yeah, celebrate it. At Buford, awesome, awesome time. Already had the first service, blew it out, you know, run out of parking spots and seats and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic, awesome. Yay, God. May, may those of you who are coming and, and experiencing 12 Stone for the first time, may you really experience the rescuing hand of Jesus. May you really experience the power of God to transform your life day in and day out. All right, here we are. Truth be told, that's the series. Grab your bulletins. You're going to need them right off the top, right off the top. Get to your teaching notes because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the answers before I give you the questions. I, I don't do that usually. But right off the top, you got these little fill in the blanks, and, and they're right under the thought, words to build a life on. Words to build a life on. That's what these are. So look at the first one. It's the foundation, not the decoration, that gives you a stronger life. It's the foundation, not the decoration, fill it in, that gives you a stronger life. It's the foundation. Everybody say that with me. It's the what? Yeah, it's the foundation, not the decoration that gives you a better life. Hey, that is the answer. But there's more. Number two, trust God, not your feelings. Write it down. Trust God not your feelings. We'll get into that. Number three, repair your foundation. Repair your foundation. That's the answer. Now let's talk. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a famous line from a song, and I want to see if you can come up with the song, and, and, and if you can figure out what decade it came from. This is for the older people. Okay, I'll just admit that. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a line of a song. If you know it, don't yell out the name of the song. Don't yell it out. Let everybody else figure it out. And whisper it, talk amongst yourselves, that's fine. And then figure out what decade 
that was from. Okay, so here's the line in the song. It can't be wrong when it feels so right. It can't be wrong when it feels so right because you... All right, okay, I'm not, not going to help you anymore. I'm just going to leave it right there. That's for older people, okay? Because some of you are like, ah, well, as soon as you figure out the decade, you're like, well, why did we do this? <laughs> okay, so, so can you... Have you got it? You've got the decade? You got the song? It can't be wrong when it feels so right because you... What is it? Light up my life. Y'all don't know it, do you? How many from the... How many even remember the 70s? How many were in the 70s, but you did stuff so you don't remember it? (laughs) That song is from the 70s. It was the most successful song in the 1970s. I mean, even with the Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever, all that, this is the only one that remained in the top spot for 10 weeks in a row. It can't be wrong when it feels so right. We all know it's stupid. (laughs) Because it can feel right and be entirely wrong. Your feelings can't, I mean, your feelings will mess you up. I mean, in fact, many of us ha- lament and regret having lived by that philosophy. It, it doesn't work anywhere in your life. It doesn't work in your fitness. And I've lived this. I've applied this in my fitness, okay? I don't feel like working. I feel like a chocolate chip cookie. How many know what I'm talking about? Help me out. Help me out. You know what I'm talking about. See, and you do that long enough, and I say to myself, it can't be wrong because it feels so right. I'm telling you, it feels so... It, I've had it happen to me. I'm like, it's time to work out. I don't feel like it, but I do feel like a chocolate chip cookie. And, and, and I do feel like pizza. And I feel like ice cream. Sometimes it calls to me. I just, I have a gift. But I do that philosophy long enough and it'll just destroy me. And I love when people say, oh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a very disciplined person. I don't make decisions out of my emotions. Okay. Of course you do. We, we all do. We, even the most staunch of us, as soon as we see the thing at the store or online that we want, oh, God, I got to have it. I got to have it. I mean, how many times have you said we have no money to spend? Now, right now, we have no money to... Haven't you, haven't you had to draw a line? Like, in our family, there's no more spending going on right now. We, just, we, we are tight on the budget. And, and even the guys like me, who can, I can manage a budget. But as soon as I get in Bass Pro Shop, or maybe it's REI or Apple for you, you have no money until you see the thing. I need that. It's not a want. It's a need. And all of a sudden, you have money you never had. Isn't it it funny? Isn't it funny how you have absolutely no money until you see the thing you want? The the beloved hobby, whatever it is that, you know, that flips your trigger. You're like, oh, there it is. I got to get it now. You can't always get those. And, and And it takes something that's financially irresponsible and all of a sudden makes it rational. I mean, we're so gifted. Ladies, don't laugh like you're out of this. Let me just be honest. You got your, now maybe yours is Apple, REI, or, or Bass Pro Shop as ladies, but sometimes it's the, it's the clothes. You'd think I wouldn't do this when I come back, right? You'd just think, leave that alone, don't touch it. <laughs> well, I'm touching it, because I know what happens. It's on sale. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you see it, it's like, oh, it's on sale. Well, I have to buy that because we're going to save money. Which, 
you immediately buy the lie. That's a lie, by the way. Listen, you, you, the only way you can save money if it goes in your account. See, if the money comes out of your account, you're not saving, you're spending. But the lie of the culture is, oh, we just saved money. Then how come money came out of our account? Oh, you have no idea how much we just saved. You're right, but we're going bankrupt on savings. I mean, it's, it's not savings until it's Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> or something I want. And emotions run high among students right now. Poo, some students are like, yes, school is back. I get to see my friends. And then there's others. Little black cloud. I don't feel like going back to school. And then there's moms, just about all of them. Glory to God in the highest <laughs> school is back. Go, go, have them all day. <laughs> oh, listen, emotions are powerful things. Feelings are powerful. They drive us. And listen, when they make our decisions, we're often in trouble because it can feel right and be so wrong. So truth be told, Extinguish the lies we believe is where we're going in this series. And this is a significant conversation because this affects the quality of your life. I mean, your ability to discern the difference between truth and lie affects your life. The quality of your marriage and your family, your career and your finances, your moral life and code and how you live, your sense of contentness, happiness inside, or constant restlessness and emptiness, your relationship with God and your eternity, these are really significant conversations. And it's also deep. Listen, this is a deep conversation. And I'll tell you why. Because we live in a culture that tells us to think with our feelings. <clears throat> Write it down. We live in a culture that has taught us to think with our what? Feelings. And when you think with your feelings, feelings become your God. And that's a really flawed God. So for the next four weeks... We're going to unpack today, truth be told about God. Next week, truth be told about relationships. Week after, truth be told about self. Week after, truth be told about culture. And I want to tell you one of the helps along the way is a book called The Lies We Believe. We're going to tap in and borrow a little bit of the insight from Dr. Chris Thurman. That book has helped me over the last 15 years break through some dysfunctional lies. I'm telling you, it's just been powerful and beneficial and a gift to me. In fact, in fact, I'll give you just an example. He gives like 30 statements and says, uh, is this most like you or least like you? And I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to pick about 10 of them for us to read and just say, as I read them, you just say in your mind, is this most like me or least like me? Check it out. The, the, these are some things he puts in there. I must have everyone's love and approval most like you or least like you it's easier to avoid problems than to face them number three my unhappiness is someone else's fault number four life should be fair five you shouldn't have to wait for what you want number six people are basically good seven if my marriage takes hard work we must not be right for each other Eight, I shouldn't have to make, I shouldn't have to change to make my marriage better. Nine, God's love must be earned. Ten, a good Christian, a good Christian 
doesn't feel angry, anxious, or depressed. <laughs> Appreciate the answer on that one. <laughs> you know, it's just good, isn't it? <laughs> when you read something and, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Now, you, you know what he was doing in the book? You know what he's saying? All those were lies. And you're like, well, no, they're not all lies. No, 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 they're all lies. Well, no. No, that, the, one that, the one about life should be fair, that's not a lie. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, no, 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 the, the one that says that my marriage, if it's really hard, doesn't mean we should have to work harder. Oh, yeah, well, I shouldn't have to change. Oh, yeah, you should. Really? I mean, if you believe a lie, but it's true for you, you live out of a lie. No wonder things fall apart. Now, I want to get into a couple of lies we believe about God. But before we do that, I'm going to spend a bulk of time, this is a good bit of time, on a picture that will help us for the whole of the four weeks. And you got to see this. Stay with me. This will help you. We're going to layer this thought. So, in your teaching notes, grab them. I gave you space. Look, I gave you space in your teaching notes. On the far left, draw a house. If you can't draw any better than me, good enough. That's a house. And, and leave room on the right. Don't just use your whole space. And this house is going to be a metaphor for us. The house represents your life. The, the, the house is, is, is kind of like how you experience and, and, and your whole life. And so therefore, you care about having a great house because you care about having a great life. Meaning, meaning you so put so much effort and energy in the decoration, what you can see and experience in the house because you want to feel good and experience a good life. So you think if you improve the kind of the decoration, kind of things you see and feel in your life, you're going to have a better marriage and a better family and a better career and better finance. You're going to be more happy. Everything's going to be better in your life. But then, storms come. What comes, everybody? Storms. And they come to all of us. And storms hit your health, and they hit your marriage, and they hit your family. And storms hit elements in your life, and they threaten your dreams and your, your desires. And your whole, and he, Listen, listen. Here's what storms do. Storms test and reveal. Storms test and reveal what's underneath what everybody can see. And this, in the midst of storms, is when you figure out that the foundation, not the decoration, determines the strength of your life. It's the foundation, not the decoration, that gives you a stronger life. It's the foundation. The what, everybody? Foundation. Just draw it, write it in. It's the foundation, not the decoration, that gives you a stronger life. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Let's turn there together. Across the campuses, you have worship center Bibles right here. It's underneath your chair. You just kind of reach down. If you can't get it, stand up, reach down, grab the Bible. We're going to turn over to page 972. We're in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, page 972. We're going to start reading at verse 24. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible of your own, on the way out today, just go to guest information, and we'll be happy to give you a, a Bible as our gift to you. We want to help you get in God's Word. Matthew chapter 7, if you're on a mobile device, we're going to start at verse 24. Now, Jesus has been teaching what's historically called the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus is teaching truth. I, I'm telling you the truth. Here it is, verse 24. Therefore, at the end of his teaching, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. 
because it had its foundation. It's what? Foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Why did that house fall? Well, people say, well, it's because of the storm. Hey, if the storm hadn't come, the house wouldn't have fallen. And that's sort of true, but that's not the real answer. Because the storm came to both houses, and one stood and one fell. So why did the one fall? Because of the foundation. It's the foundation, not the decoration. Not what you see, not the feelings, not the things that we all tend to manage and give our best attention to. It's the foundation that got revealed, and it was flawed. See, if you build your life on the truth of God, that's the foundation. That's what Jesus is saying. If you will take my words and not only hear them, but do them. Not only hear them, but do them. Not only hear them, but what? Do them. If you will form your foundation on truth so that you build your life on the truth of God, then this house, this life that you have will stand even in storms. And you'll be stronger than storms. However, however, you build this foundation on faulty thinking, on the world's lies, when the storms come, your life will fall. Now, he's not just talking the practical health and, and family and finance and career. He's talking beyond that even. He's talking way even to the end, even to, the, even to end times, even to final judgment. When the storm of the end times and death hits, you won't, your life won't survive. You won't stand. You, you won't be with God. You won't be. I mean, it's serious business. I want to give you a picture of it in Quebec, Canada. There was a storm several years ago, and, and in this report, you get a sense of the parable that Jesus told. Listen in. It is Canada's first billion-dollar disaster and the deadliest in more than 40 years. An entire town in southeastern Quebec is being washed away. It was a catastrophic situation, almost unreal. Saguenay resident Sylvain Jeunesse can only watch as the deluge takes over the city and surrounds his grandmother's house. We are talking about 1,500 cubic meters of water per second. It's the equivalent of the water volume of Niagara Falls. House after house comes tumbling down. Nearly 2,000 structures are damaged or destroyed. But thanks to a sturdy foundation, one home is left standing. It belongs to Sylvain's grandmother. Isn't that just amazing? I mean, it just blows your mind, doesn't it? That kind of a picture of the parable Jesus is telling. And why did that house stand? It had a sturdy, strong what? Foundation. See, it's, it's not in the decoration around the house that made it strong. It was the foundation. All these other houses are going down. That's true in this world. That's what Jesus is saying. What he's telling you, it's the foundation, not the decoration, that gives you a stronger life. Put all your best efforts into the foundation first. Because storms come to all of us. In other words, trust God, not your feelings. Trust God, not your what? Feelings. Let's go right back to that scripture. I'll put it on the screen. Let's look at it together, only this is the message version. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on, words to build a life on. Say it with me. Do what? Words to build a life on. 
If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, listen now, church, he's talking to us all. If you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in, and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. See, he's saying, foundationally, you have to figure out how do you settle what makes something true? No, 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 no don't, don't, don't jump. This, stay right here. How do you figure out what's true? How do you settle in your, listen, how do you settle in your soul what's true about creation? How did we all get here? How do you settle that? How do you make a decision about what marriage is? This culture is having all sorts of conversations about marriage, about sexuality, gender confusion. How do you settle that? How do you conclude what is true? What's true about racism? What's, what's moral truth? What's the definition of real success in life? How do you answer all of that? So you have a way of forming answers. And you may never have thought about it this way, but I'm about to lay out for you, and this is why we need the time for this conversation and the additional notes to the right, that the world is telling you one way to think. Think with your feelings. And Jesus is telling you another way to think that forms a solid foundation. And one of those two is the way you're doing life. So let me illustrate. In the world, the world is teaching. You don't have to write all this down if you don't want to, but I want us to walk through it, so I'm going to do it in great detail. The world is telling us and teaching us, be true to yourself. In other words, if you want to be authentic and real, you got to be true to yourself. I mean, that, that's the mark of you being an authentic and real person. And what does it mean to be true to yourself? What do you do? Well, then you have to go inside yourself. See, if you're going to be true to yourself, then you have to get inside yourself. You got to get inside yourself, figure out who you are. And what are you asking? Oh, what you're going to ask here is, how do I feel? How do I what? Feel. I mean, I have impressions, opinions, feelings, emotions. I have inclinations. I have a, I, like, I, I have a thought about that. Well, I got to get inside myself and see how I feel. And this is how you figure out what's true for you. This is what the culture is teaching. This is, this is the core of humanism, paganism. And what you do with that then, the action you take is truth surrenders to feelings. Oh my did you see that? You're, without even recognizing it, the culture has made sense of it can't be wrong if it feels so right. And you start making decisions about major foundational questions in life where the truth, even when God speaks, must surrender to your feelings. Jesus steps in and teaches something completely different. Not be true to yourself, but be true to your creator. Be true to who? Your creator. Be true to your creator because you didn't just land here by accident. 
You were designed. The breath of God is in you. You have purpose. Listen, you're not going to know that purpose by going inside yourself. You got to, therefore, what do you have to do? You have to get outside yourself. You, you, have to actually, you have to actually do the opposite of what the world is teaching you. And why do you have to get outside yourself? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you about one, two, three, four examples of why you have to get outside yourself, why you can't trust your feelings, why you can't go to the inside and find the truth. But I just go inside myself and I find the truth. Why doesn't that work? Because you can't trust your feelings. Why not? We'll talk about it more in a minute. But what... Therefore, does he teach us to ask? Instead of, how do I feel? What does God say? Ah. See, now, now you're looking for the truth. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm giving you foundational truth. I tell you the truth. This is how life was created. This is how you were designed. This is how you get the best life. This is the truth of life. Don't build your foundation on a faulty sand because it will fall under the pressure of life. And therefore, how do you act? This is huge. This is huge. Feelings, feelings surrender to truth. Ooh. Feelings are not the truth. They surrender to the truth. It doesn't mean it changes your feelings. You might still have those feelings, but you don't live your life by those feelings. You live your life by the truth, and you found your life upon the truth. And now feelings surrender to the truth. These are two completely different ways of doing life. And a pagan, humanistic, unbelieving world lives by be true to yourself. And we've been so ingrained in it that it seems normal. Listen, listen, listen. And many people who have become emotional Christians in their house, but they're not foundational Christians because they have not changed to the truth. No wonder your life falls. No wonder you're in an unstable and scary place. See, to become Christian and follow Christ is to move from be true to yourself to be true to your creator, and what you set in your foundation is truth. That means feelings surrender to the truth, not truth surrenders to feelings. This is huge. And you know why you can't trust your feelings? <laughs> because your feelings are subject to things like Satan's lies. Because Satan's a liar. And your feelings, the inside of you, is subject to selfish ambition. That's in me. That's in you. So how can I trust my ambitions when I know they can be selfish? And you know what else is in us? Vain conceit. I mean, how can I trust when I know I have pride and, and the risk of, of me mismanaging and how, in fact, you know what else is in you? S sinful desires. This is all in me. This is all in you. If you say, well, I'm going to go inside myself and find the truth. What you're going to find is that you're influenced by the Satan's lies, selfish ambition, vain conceit, and simple desires. How can you possibly trust that? Now, let me slow it down. Let me just slow this down. We're going to read a scripture on each of those thoughts because we need to absorb this. We are so ingrained in this culture, we can't hardly hear what's being said right now. So, Satan lies. Look at John. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. 
for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, your emotions and feelings in this culture are affected by the lies of Satan. When you go inside yourself, you can be lied to. Selfish ambition. Look at the next scripture. From James 3, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You go inside yourself to find the truth, and and you can't discern your ambitions. In fact, you have vain conceit. Look at Philippians chapter 2. This is what Paul is writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to help us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Pause, pause, which means that's in you and that's likely. You have to have a discerning ability. How are you going to know that you have selfish ambition or vain conceit? You go to the word of God, which reveals the truth, and the truth exposes what's true about you, and I have to say, oh my goodness, I have selfish ambition. This isn't godly, it's selfish. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I can't trust my feelings. They can be wrapped up in vain conceit. In fact, I have sinful desires. We all do. Romans chapter 1. Paul's writing, the Holy Spirit is, is, is teaching how God has responded to our reaction to him. Literally, therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires. Their what? What desires? Sinful desires. You, ha- you do know you have sinful desires, right? Sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Ooh. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Stay with me. When you say I can go inside myself, ask how I feel, and trust how I feel, you are denying all of scripture. You're saying I don't have selfish ambition, vain conceit, sinful desires, nor the lies of Satan reach me. I am the holder of truth. You have now become God. Your feelings are God. You may have never thought about it, but this is how the world thinks. This is how a Christian thinks. And the transformation comes when you get here and build your foundation on it. And Jesus says, truly, you can go with that because it's true. Your feelings have to surrender to truth. Trust God, not your feelings. All right, what do we do with this? Well, you have to repair your foundation. You got to repair your foundation. And we all have to. We're all in process of doing repairs on our foundation. We're all vulnerable to lies leaking in. We're all vulnerable to this getting fractured and flawed. Nobody's got this perfectly. God's perfect. Jesus was perfect. The truth is perfect. But we don't all translate and and, and set it in our soul perfectly. By the way, for those of you who are like, well, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, good luck. (laughs) And by the way, if you find it, what's the point? You can't join it. You'd wreck it. Because you're a mess. (laughs) So there's no point. So, So you might as well join an imperfect church. Where we're all together learning how to, by God's grace, repair the foundation. How do you repair the foundation? You have to exchange truth for lies. You have to put the truth back in the foundation. For example, there's a couple things that we believe about God that are lies. I I put one of them in your notes. Here's God's love must be earned or God's love can be earned. That's a lie. It's a what? Lie. Generations of people 
are sitting in churches still acting like you have to earn God's love. They're telling that to other people. It's a lie. There are other people who are distant from the church or distant from God under this. Well, I, I have to earn God's love. I can't have it. I've messed up too much. I, I don't have the love of God available to me. God doesn't love me. I got to earn. That's not true. In fact, you do that long enough and you'll spend your whole life in this empty pursuit where God becomes less of a heavenly father and a relationship with him and more of a distant demanding deity. That's horrible religion. There's no relationship in that. Now, equally bad, listen, listen, equally bad, maybe worse, is if you think you can earn God's love. Then you become self-righteous like the Pharisees who thought they knew God when they didn't. It's all a mess. Listen, God loves you. Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love. God demonstrates his what? Can't hear you. God demonstrates his what? In this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, he, listen, not when you were seeking God, not when you were serving God, but when you're selfish and distant from God, he loved you. And he sent his son to cover your sin debt, to forgive you of your sin, to restore you to your heavenly father because he loves you. God rescues us not because of what we do, but because of what he's done. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. So I humbly receive it. That is the declaration of your foundation. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. So I humbly receive it. Now does that mean that all your emotions are changed? No. Listen, if you were raised in a family where one or both of your parents treated you as insignificant, that gets in your soul and it messes you up. Most of you know that that is part of my background. My dad treated me as if I was insignificant. It affected me. I knew I had to earn approval, earn affirmation. I knew I had to earn love. That's the deal. It was telling some 15 years ago when I was sitting down with John Maxwell over lunch, who is just a wonderful friend and great kind mentor to me. And I asked John, I said, John, how do you make sure that God shows up and that he's with you every time you speak? We had a long lunch conversation about it, but here's what, here's what struck me is when John said, well, Kevin, it, it never occurred to me that God wouldn't show up. Really? I said, because it never occurred to me that he always would. Huh. Now that makes a lot of sense if you know our backgrounds. John was raised by a father who treated John as significant, loved him deeply, unconditionally, and John transferred that to his heavenly father. Never occurred to him that his heavenly father wouldn't show up. Me? I was insignificant, had to earn everything, dad made promises, rarely showed up. I knew a father could do that. That might be how I feel, but it's not true. And I can't bring that to my foundation. My foundation needs to be rooted. I'm loved by God. I cannot earn it. So I humbly receive it. Listen, God has you here for this conversation, some of you. And he's whispering this in your soul. I don't know if you have the ability to hear him. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the first time you're willing to just lend an ear. 
Maybe you're just dismissing it. This is a significant moment for you. This past July 4th at the cabin, Jaden, my 15-year-old, was saying to me, Dad, I hear something in the walls of the garage. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's in between the walls or in this little overhead. I hear something. He brought me over and I listen. I don't hear anything. And I'm like, son, there's nothing there. Now, I'll admit, I have old man ears, like rock and roll and loud pipe motorcycles. They've been damaged. We got issues. And it's been worth it all along. So maybe I just, maybe there's something going on and I can't hear it. But I like it, whatever. After a while, I mean, he did this every day. He's like, no, dad, I hear something. Whatever, whatever, whatever. There's not, nothing can live between the layers of wood on the siding of the house. There's no space. You're hearing things. And they all concluded it was a baby bat or something. It had to be something. So I, yeah, whatever. But after about several days, he called me another time. Dad, 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 come here. I'm like, I'm so tired of this. I go over there and I'm, he's like, you hear it? And I go, I hear a little scratch. And maybe that's what's happening right now. Maybe for you, this is the first time you hear a little scratch in your soul of the evidence that God loves you. And you can't earn it. This is a spiritual wake-up moment. Pay attention. Anyhow, I said, well, you know what? There might be something in there. Maybe it is a bat. So at dusk, we decided to get a two-by-four and bang on the side of it and see if we could scare it out. There was just this like, little half-inch space up the top. There's no way they could get in there. And I kid you not. You ready? I kid you not. A bat flew out. Freaked me out. I mean, messed with my hand. I'm like, whoa! He flew out. And we're like, ah! My son, you were right. All along, you were right. He said, yes, I was. He said, but I still hear stuff. Well, now I believe him, okay? Now there's probably something more in there. So we bang it again, and another one flew out. And then a little bat stuck his head up over the side with his little <laughs> thumb. I creeped out, man. I'm like, whoa! Now we got the flashlights and we're looking. Okay, you ready for this? If you're not ready for it, I ain't gonna tell you. Are you ready for this? 31 bats flew out. 31 bats. <laughs> I mean, I'm a man almost. Because that just messed with me. I mean, my son was right the whole time. Man, we had to rip the board off the next morning and clean all that bat guano poop. <laughs> Rebuild it, fill in all the cracks. Listen, the world is screaming at you, make yourself significant. Satan is screaming to you, you'll have to earn God's love. And God is whispering to you, you are already significant and you are already loved. You have to receive that. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. So I humbly receive it. I want you to repeat that with me. I'll say it. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. So I humbly receive it. Just in a tone of declaration and soul embrace. Across all the campuses. You ready? I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. So I humbly receive it. There's a second lie we believe about God. It's in your notes. I'll just touch on it. 
true Christians, true Christ followers have storm-free lives. True Christ followers have storm-free lives. Do you already know that's a lie? Oh, yeah. But you know, sometimes a storm comes in our life and we say, I thought God loved me. He does. But Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but I've overcome. Listen, Jesus will give you a stronger than storms life. Write it down. He will give you a stronger than storms life. Not a storm-free life, stronger than storms. That's what he'll do so that you still stand after the storm. But it's got to be built on him. Back when Marsh and I got married, we... We ran a, at a church in, in Michigan a kidless couple group. It had like 30 couples, and we had no kids. All of us were married. But eventually the group kept, you know, people kept leaving because they have kids. But one couple couldn't leave for years because of infertility. And we watched how it beat against their house, and the storm wouldn't stop, and nothing they would do would help. And people might say, well, does God love them? Yes. And they use that not to turn on God, but to turn to God. In time through all that, they never had children of their own. God let them to adopt a couple of kids. They have a wonderful family. And it was marking to watch someone endure a storm well and be stronger than the storm. We faced a bit of that as a family two, three years ago when my son Josh his wife, Christina, were working through infertility issues, and I talked to you about it, and then God did a miraculous thing and, and gave us a granddaughter. Sure, they had a kid, but I, I got a granddaughter. That's the more important part. <laughs> Little Breland, she's adorable. She turned two this last June. And then over, over July 4th, they shared with the family this news. That's little Breland. I'm going to be a big sister. That's right. We have grandchild number three cooking <laughs> in the process on their way. So, Josh, Christina, you're here. I'm going to embarrass you. you know, go ahead. Stand up, Josh. Stand up, Christina. Uh, there is my son, my daughter-in-law, and number three for us, number two for them. Wonderful, wonderful celebration. Thank you, guys. Now, listen. I, I, look, I don't know. I don't know the economy of God. I don't know. I don't understand why God lets some storms come and others he stops. I do not know. I just know that he's good. Foundationally true, God is good. And if you will found your life on his truth, you will be stronger than storms. Now next week we'll pick up this conversation and we'll apply it to relationships. But right now, as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, what do you need to settle with God? Where do you need to repair the foundation? Maybe it's one of the two lies we were just talking about. Maybe it's it can't be wrong if it feels so right. So I want to have a moment of prayer. This is a, this, we're not going to just rush. This is a moment with God. Attend to it right now. Don't just, oh, we're done, I got to go. No, 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 no. No, we're going to have a moment with God. You just bow your head right now and you ask, God, where, where do I need to repair my foundation? Maybe you don't even believe in God yet. Maybe you're not a follower. Maybe you're not resolved in this. But if you have the willingness to just attend to God and maybe you'll hear a little scratch and that's God whispering to you and saying, no, I'm with you. I'm here. I'm in this. So you just begin to ask God where you are. In this moment, Gracious God, where do I need to repair? Hmm? Just bow before him, your little moment. 
And Heather, would you just sing a line of that song? While you attend to God, what needs to be repaired? Father, reveal to us where we need to repair the foundation. Maybe it's something we've already talked about. Maybe it's something we haven't talked about, but it's the thing you're pressing in. In fact, with your eyes closed, head bowed, I want to pray over you. And some of you, you know there's something that needs to be repaired in the foundation. And if that's you and you're saying, God, I'm going to own it, and by your grace and help, I want to start repairing it today forward. I want to exchange a lie for the truth. I don't want to live in lies then I want to pray for you. And it matters in this moment that you raise your hand because you're saying to God, that's me, that's me. So just raise your hands across this place in the cafe theater. Just raise your hands. I'll pray for you. Just keep your hands up for a second. Just keep your hands up. Just say, God, hundreds of hands across this room, really across our campus. We're saying, I'm going to own it, God. I, there's some repair that needs to happen in my foundation with you. Maybe I bought into the lie of the culture and I'm letting feelings be my God. Maybe I'm so influenced by it, I haven't paid attention. And maybe I've been caught up and I have to earn your love and you got to help me break through it. Maybe I kept thinking you should give me a storm-free life rather than make me stronger. Maybe it's something else we haven't even talked about. God, right now, those of us, our hands up, we're just saying, God, include me in this. I want you to know, Father, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes for you to help me. God, do a work in me. Transform me into your truth. Reconstruct and repair my foundation. Reveal the lies to me. And even though my feelings many times don't change, I'm, I'm going I'm to require them to surrender to your truth. And I know that's complicated in this world, God, but this is what you're asking me and inviting me to, and this is the only way I get a stronger than storm's life. God, would you seal this and do this in the heart of each one who will ask and receive it in Christ's name. Amen. In fact, as declaration, would you just stand with me and, and sing the very verse. Let's do it a couple times, Heather. Just an affirmation of your declaration to him. Just stay in, this, in the attentive to God right here. This isn't we're done. This is you stay attentive to God on this. Let's let it be our declaration. Yeah.